test. It's going to be a 60 minute battle and we're going to be right in the middle. And what's inside of it is how you got to grind it out. Let's go check the nation today, baby. Let's go check the nation Well, hello, Texas fans, and welcome to episode 14 of the Horns Illustrated Beyond the Stats podcast. As always, I'm Riley Zayas, one of the writers for HornsIllustrated.com, and the host of the podcast today, joined by Luke White. Luke, how are you doing today? Doing good. Can we just talk some uh, Texas sports? Yeah, thank you so much for coming on, Luke, and uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We really got an action-packed episode for you today. We discuss everything from Texas football's impressive victory over Baylor this last Saturday, uh, all the way to the men's basketball schedule being released, along with the women's schedule, and what the season kind of looks like for them uh, ahead. And we'll also hear from Tom Herman later on the podcast uh, from his media availability. So previous podcasts can be found on Spotify, Anchor, wherever you find podcasts, um, as well as on hornsillustrated.com. And I want to start off by thanking our sponsors who help Horns Illustrated give you the coverage on the Longhorns you want. We have Gotsman Real Estate. Visit www.gotsmanresidential.com. High Park Schools, turning Panthers into Longhorns. And uh, High Park was actually featured in one of our digital magazines, the football preview issue, so make sure to go check that out if you get a chance. Uh, you can find the Horns Illustrated app on the App Store. And uh, also follow Horns Illustrated on all things social media. We're on Twitter. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, keeping you up to date with the latest from the Longhorns. And also make sure you go to hornsillustrated.com for the latest takes on Texas sports. All our podcasts are available on there, as I mentioned. And and we also have things like uh, I recently covered how the scare uh, against Kansas State in which Texas was losing the Texas volleyball team and how that has helped them continue to maintain a perfect record heading into next week's matches against Baylor as well as the latest on the men's and women's basketball seasons, football, tennis, golf. Check it out, hornsillustrated.com. Well, Luke, Texas football, huge 27-16 victory over Baylor this last Saturday. You know, what was different about Texas in this game versus uh, over the past two games prior to this in which we saw them lose to TCU in Oklahoma? Well, for starters, I think that Texas defense really stepped up. It was definitely a nice change at following uh, a high-scoring win versus Texas Tech and uh, two losses, uh, albeit close, to TCU and Oklahoma. It was definitely a nice change because I feel like Texas also kind of had a uh, sense of confidence with them throughout the game. There wasn't really any part where it's like, oh, wow, uh, Baylor may be able to make a comeback in this after Texas got off to, I think it was a 27-3 lead. So I think uh, Texas, they definitely were riding with a lot of confidence. And uh, they were, uh, like I mentioned earlier, but defense just really stepped up. And I think that kind of proved to be the difference for the Longhorns, even when the uh, offense, on the other hand, didn't have their best showing of the year. Yeah, well, I totally agree with that. I mean, we saw the defense play better than they had, uh, like you mentioned, Luke, pretty much all season as far as Big 12 play goes. And you know, it, Texas got off the road a little bit. We were seeing them highly ranked after that huge win over UTEP to open the season. Um, they beat Texas Tech, came from behind. Then they lost in two very close games 
to TCU and Oklahoma. Now they face Oklahoma State, arguably the best team in the Big 12 Conference. Now that's up to debate, but as far as the standings go, Oklahoma State is leading the way. They are undefeated in conference play at 3-0, also 4-0, the only team in the Big 12 to be undefeated um, in their overall record, number six in the country. Luke, you know, as they enter into this matchup against Oklahoma State, Man, what is kind of the the mindset, I guess, would you think in that locker room, knowing what's on the line and knowing how big a road win over this Cowboy team would be? Well, like I said, I think there's a lot of confidence in that locker room. And it's worth noting that Texas really always seems to do better when they're considered the underdog in these games as opposed to the favorites. And Oklahoma State-Texas, this matchup, it always uh, impresses me with how close it is every year and out. It never disappoints. So I think Texas, I think they can definitely keep it close. Oklahoma State number six, if I'm not mistaken. This just seems like a tech like a game that Texas can definitely win despite that Oklahoma State offensive firepower. I mentioned it earlier off the air, but I feel like the main uh weakness for Texas is their defense is definitely having some struggles this year, uh despite coming off a good win versus Baylor. And I don't think that's a great matchup in my opinion against that Oklahoma State offense with a trio of Spencer Sanders, Tylen Wallace, and Shuba Hubbard. So the Texas uh, run defense, uh, notably, is really going to have to step up in this game to stop uh, Shuba Hubbard because they're definitely – that's who the Cowboys are kind of anchored on this year. Yeah, well, the Shuba Hubbard is – if you've never seen him play, you know, you'll look up some of his highlights because that guy is one of the best running backs in the country – if you watch him, you know, for, for multiple years, we've seen his ability to find the opening uh, in the offensive line, you know, pick up yardage, pick up yardage after he's already been hit once. And uh, that's something Texas is going to have to do. They can't just hit him once. They need to, to bring him down because if you don't bring him down, uh, he's just going to keep running. His his strength, uh, his power is, is just incredible. And he's really been one of the driving forces behind Oklahoma State's undefeated record. But as you mentioned, Luke, they kind of have three have a three-headed monster back there with Spencer Sanders and Tylen Wallace uh, leading that offense. Spencer Sanders, a phenomenal dual-threat quarterback. You know, he's similar to Sam Ellinger in the fact that he he really can take off and run or throw the deep ball. Uh, it just depends on, on what he's seeing out of the opposing defense. For sure. In Texas, I mean, uh, excuse me, Oklahoma State, they've definitely been impressive in their wins this year. Came off the win versus uh, – Really good Iowa State team. Definitely one of those underrated teams in the Big 12. Um, close one. They won that one 24-21. And at the start of the season, uh, Tulsa kept it close, but Oklahoma State, they were able to hold on for the win. And well, it was, I believe, both teams' first game of the year. And Tulsa, I think they're kind of one of those underrated teams. They're not uh, too bad in the American Conference. They did take down UCF earlier this year. Uh, so they definitely have wins over quality teams. So... But like I said earlier, Texas, this definitely feels like a game that they can win. Uh, and I don't think it, it wouldn't be too outlandish for, to think that, even though Oklahoma State is number six. Yeah. Going back to what I said earlier, Texas just always does well as the, uh, as the underdog in these games. And I think Ellinger, I think he can definitely step up to uh, prove himself and show why he is one of the better quarterbacks in the country. Oh, I would agree. I would agree. And, you know, it, Sam Ellinger has, has kind of led this team so far, but it's going to take a complete uh, group effort on both sides of the ball 
in order to get a win here. But as you mentioned, Luke, they, when you come into games like this, um, especially conference games in the Big 12, rankings don't matter all that much. You know, it, it's one of those things you can analyze the stats on paper all day long, but when you get out there on the field, that's that's where the game is won. And you'll have guys come up big that you didn't expect to come up big. You know, speaking of that, in this Baylor game, was there any guys, Luke, that when you were watching, you just thought, man, this guy's really kind of broken out uh, against Baylor, even just in the past few games? Well, for starters, for me, that would be tied in Jared Wiley out of the Temple, Texas. Um, he had one uh, good catch for a really big gain. And I feel like you've been we've been seeing that from him in the, the past few games for Texas this season versus TCU and Oklahoma, for example, where um, he's not one of the – when you think of Texas receivers, he's not really who you think of. He is a tight end after all. But he, like Cade Brewer, he can definitely break away for a big catch and uh, give Texas good field position. So I feel like he's kind of uh, emerging as one of the uh, top players from his Texas offense so far. Yeah, well, and the tight end is one of those underrated positions. They have to do, they have to do it all, really. They have to be able to block. Uh, they have to be able to to run routes. Uh, you know, be able to catch the ball too, as as we've seen Jerry Wiley do multiple times, especially near the goal line. Um, he has a incredible strength. And here's a here's a fun fact about Jerry Wiley. Um, you know, obviously Luke, you mentioned went to Temple High School. He was the kicker, the punter, the quarterback played tight end. He did a little bit of everything while he was there. Obviously, he didn't do it all at one time, but he played. He had stints at quarterback. You know, wherever he was needed, he would fill in. And that that really is the epitome of a team player. We've seen it here at Texas. Uh, he'll really do whatever it takes in order to get out there on that field and, and just uh, help the team get a win, whether it means, you know, blocking, uh, catching passes out of the backfield, running deep routes. He has incredible speed and as you mentioned, Luke, uh, we've definitely seen that in these past three games. For sure. I think he's kind of taken over, uh, maybe not taken over um, per se, but he's definitely covering for the loss of Jordan Whittington. Uh, suffered a knee injury uh, during the Oklahoma game. So um, as Tom Herman has said, he will probably be out for a few weeks. Shifting to another note, I want to bring up the uh, kind of where the Big 12's uh, playoff hopes stand following this Texas-Oklahoma State game, because right now it's feeling like Oklahoma State is likely the only team remaining in the Big 12 that can really make a push for uh, a spot in the college football playoff. And it's reasonable to think that a loss to Texas could very well push them out of that race and uh, maybe make uh, the Big 12 uh, not have a spot in this year's playoff. Yeah, well, that's that's likely. Uh, when you look at the amount of talent, the Big 10 is back. We saw them. They came back this past Saturday. Great to see. But it would, you know, if it was a, under the original model of this season, like they were planning, where the Big Ten was saying they would play in the spring, not participate in the college football playoff, uh, as with the Pac-12, it was looking like well, the Big Twelve is obviously going to get a bid, um, whether it be in Oklahoma, we were expecting them to have a great season, Oklahoma State, or even Texas. Uh, but now at this point, Luke. It's looking like Oklahoma State is the Big 12's, you know, only team, like you mentioned, that could make a push for the college football playoff. One team that I think could have a chance is is Kansas State. If they can come up big and keep playing the way they've been playing uh, behind Central Texas product, Deuce Vaughn, who went to Sierra Ridge High School, 
who knows? They have one loss. Maybe they could do something and make a push. I don't know, but it's it's going to it's going to come down to the end. I'm fairly confident in that. And uh, I, if I if you ask me right now, based on the way we've seen these teams play, who would be playing in the Big Twelve championship game? I would say Oklahoma State and Kansas State. And I, I, don't, I those two teams look like the ones that have been battle tested and have been able to uh, overcome and win those battles, uh, whereas teams like Texas Oklahoma have just fallen a little bit short, not not too far off, but a little bit short, and the record is a reflection of that. I totally agree with you. I think Kansas State is starting to break out to be one of those, uh, kind of like how Baylor was last year, where nobody was really expecting them to be that great this year. They, nothing like stellar from them, definitely not spawned the Big 12 championship, but they're really defying all odds, including uh, in a win over uh, – Oklahoma to start, and if they keep playing like they've been playing, they can definitely earn a spot in the Big 12 championship against uh, what is most likely uh, Oklahoma State. And going back to the college football playoff, I think right now where it stands, I feel like, is Alabama from the SEC, Clemson from the ACC, that's kind of a given, Ohio State from the Big 10, and one team that I think could actually get a spot is uh, Oregon from the Pac-12, yeah. assuming these teams are being considered for a spot, just because Oregon is faced with a fairly easy schedule after all. After all, the Pac-12 is uh, particularly uh, may not mediocre, but they're not as strong as conferences like the Big Ten or the SEC. So, if Oregon can go undefeated, then I certainly think they can earn a spot in it this year. I think so, and and I think if if you see Oregon go undefeated, then the question becomes, well, does a you know one lost Oklahoma State team um, get the spot over an undefeated Oregon team based on strength of schedule or something like that. Because you figure at this point, uh, Oklahoma, unlike Kansas State, Oklahoma State's one loss would come within the conference, would be probably to a Texas, an Oklahoma, um, or even a Kansas State. So you think, well, now they have to start analyzing strength of schedule and see how that stacks up against, you know, Oregon team who play a conference-only schedule, uh, maybe not a great schedule and uh, as far as strength, as far as the strength goes of it and the teams that they're playing. For sure. And if I'm not mistaken, the Pac-12 teams are only playing about six games this year, conference only. So I think Oregon, if they do want to make the playoff, they're definitely going to have to make a statement in each of those victories. Uh, they, not, I'm not saying they have to be blowouts, but they – still feel like they need to be uh, convincing wins over those teams if they want to earn a spot over maybe Oklahoma State, as you mentioned, who um, the way they're playing could also uh, really win the Big 12. So it's going to be interesting to see how that race plays out, especially considering we feel like we already have three teams, Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, that have seemingly already kind of secured their spot. Ohio State, after playing only one game, uh, I feel like even before the season started, we everyone was expecting them to make it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, Ohio State's probably a given. We saw Justin Fields go twenty of twenty-one passing on Saturday. Uh, that's just incredible. He's he's in line for the Heisman. It's going to be probably between him and Trevor Lawrence. I'm thinking for the Heisman. And you know, Luke. Speaking of Oregon, real quick, while we're, while we're on this subject, Oregon's six-game schedule is. They open the season at home. They're ranked 14 right now uh, against Stanford. Then they travel to Washington State. Then they host UCLA, travel to Oregon State, 
travel to California, and then host Washington. Out of all those games, you know, you're looking at it, probably the toughest one as looking at it right now is going to be against Washington. But other than that, you know, Oregon State hasn't had tremendous success. California hasn't had tremendous success. Uh, same could be said for UCLA recently. So, you know, strength of schedule is going to come into play there for the Ducks. And uh, Luke, while we're talking um, about this upcoming Oklahoma State game, let's hear from Tom Herman real quick on what he had to say on his uh, presser this week. Yeah, again, uh, really proud of our guys uh, for accomplishing a, a lot of the things that we had set out to accomplish heading into the bye week and uh, to, to go out there and execute them uh, in a, a game was important for, for us and our growth and, and our development uh, and really happy and, and proud that we, we got an opportunity to get a win at home and thank our fans uh, both here in the stadium and uh, all across the world. Uh, and, you know, stayed relatively healthy. Uh, Joseph Osai being really the, the only one that uh, we're keeping an eye on. We, we do just kind of knowing who he is, knowing the extent of the injury, which is a, uh, in layman's terms, an anterior capsule sprain. Uh, and he'll, he'll be braced up. And our, our plan is to have him uh, participate as tolerated in practice tomorrow. Uh, if if he can't go tomorrow, then I would imagine uh, Wednesday uh, he he should be good to go too. And I, I would be I would be pretty surprised if, if we did not see Joseph Osai um, play a significant part in in this football game on Saturday in Stillwater. Well, there he is, Tom Herman, speaking of his team's state right now. Luke Joseph Osai, you mentioned the defense is going to be key for Texas. There he is, right there, Joseph Osai. Uh, he'll need to be on the field. And, you know, at this point, Tom Herman's saying he, he'd be surprised if Osai is not playing on Saturday. But to what extent he'll play, we don't know. For sure. And I was really surprised, albeit it was a good sign that he returned to the game versus Baylor because it definitely seemed like he had suffered a pretty serious injury uh, when he went down uh, just before halftime in that Baylor game. I think it was when it was. So it's definitely good to see him back. And it's definitely a relief for the Texas defense because considering he's our leader, uh, he's the captain of that defense. He's arguably our best player. They really, really need him versus Oklahoma State, considering we mentioned that, uh, as you called it, that three-headed monster on the Cowboys offense with uh, Sanders, Hubbard, and uh, Wallace. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd agree with that. Osai is, is a guy who can do a little bit of everything, has a lot of speed out there as an edge rusher, uh, can play the run game especially well, and that's going to come in handy for the Horns as they face, as we mentioned, this this excellent running attack, uh, rushing attack rather, of Oklahoma State. And we'll switch switch gears real quick and talk a little bit about the Texas men's basketball team. Their schedule was finalized uh, on Monday, and uh, they got some good games uh, come up here as they start the season. They open it up against UT Rio Grande Valley on November 25th, and We'll open the Big 12 schedule at Baylor, a Sunday game on December 13th. Luke, just your initial thoughts on the schedule um, and, and how will playing only what's looking like right now four uh, non-conference games affect Texas 
as they enter into a huge uh, season in which they have a chance really to compete for the Big 12 title. Well, the nice part about playing basketball in the Big 12 is you know you're going to play every team uh, twice, so it's nice to have that kind of uh, certainty when it comes to the conference schedule. Non-conference-wise, there have definitely been a lot of changes um, to that schedule, but most notable being uh, Villanova and Gonzaga. Those games may not be played this year. They were definitely the most uh, highly touted and uh, um, most in the two games that uh, Texas fans were looking forward to the most. But uh, on the other hand, there's also going to be a game versus uh, Kentucky as part of a Big 12 SEC challenge. Um, this is probably the game, one of the games that I'm most excited for just because of uh, Kentucky. Obviously, they're a blue blood in the SEC and in the college basketball world in general. And uh, we've talked about how much talent this uh, Longhorns basketball team has this year. And this will definitely be a great road test for them to kind of show um, what they're able to do against a, a top-tier team. Yeah, well, you know, in that game against Kentucky is going to be key, not just because of who they're playing, but when they're playing. They're playing uh, January 30th, which at that point, Texas will have played about a month uh, of, of Big 12 play, a little over a month. So they'll have a, a, some games under their belt, some, some quality games against teams like Baylor, Kansas already. So who knows? I mean, Texas could come in and get a win over Kentucky there. Uh, in Lexington. We'll just have to see how it plays out, but you did mention Gonzaga and Villanova. Uh, both don't appear to be on the schedule. And the one thing that is kind of uh, interesting regarding this is the fact that we've heard reports that Texas was supposed to play Villanova in the Big 12 Big East battle uh, sometime in November, December with the NCAA moving back the start date for men's basketball to November 25th. We expected it would be in December, but now at this point it's looking like that's not going to happen either. So, you know, quality games for Texas and non-conference play are probably going to be limited to that Kentucky game and maybe a game or two in the Maui Gym Invitational, which is being held for the first time outside of the state of Hawaii in Asheville, North Carolina. One of those matchups of the Mali Invitational that really interests me is Davidson. Because they're definitely a team that uh, Texas can't take lightly. Um, they, did, they did really well in their conference uh, this past season. And they definitely have the ability to take down um, some top-tier major uh, teams such as Texas. So they're definitely, uh, that's definitely a matchup to look forward to, in my opinion. Yeah, well, I, uh, I think they have a really stacked schedule from top to bottom. They obviously got Greg Brown coming in. He's set to be a starter on the team. They got Matt Coleman, Andrew Jones coming back. All the pieces are there. Now it's just up to the Longhorns to get it done and uh, probably get a high seed in the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, different bracketologies are saying different things. Uh, but regardless, they have a good team, and uh, it's just going to take some 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 team chemistry that I guess we didn't really see too much last year. Uh, they lost games they weren't expected to lose. They won games they weren't expected to win. And uh, all that kind of translated to if they had made the NCAA tournament, if there had been an NCAA tournament, um, they probably would have been in as a high seed. So some interesting things uh, to note as well is the fact that uh, NCAA bracketology. Now here's, here's something that's interesting about this. Texas is slated as a 16 seed. They would play Farley Dickinson. Um, and then the winner would play Gonzaga in the Boise, um, you know, uh, 
regional. That's according to Joe Lunardi of ESPN. What do you think about that, Luke? That's definitely, it's certainly interesting because when you think of the 16 seeds, that's <laughs> typically the real small schools that happen to have won their uh, conference tournament. So it's rare to see Texas in that, uh, in that uh, sort of uh, playing game, from my understanding, if they are playing Farley Dickinson uh, to make it in. Um, from I, I don't think that's going to be too daunting a matchup for them, though. So I think a win. All right, something interesting. So, yeah, something interesting, Luke, um, is the fact that Texas, according to Joe Lunardi of ESPN's Bracketology, te- has Texas as a three seed um, playing Winthrop to open the tournament. That's really slating Texas pretty high, uh, so so the expectations are certainly there from experts across the country. Absolutely, Texas they definitely have high expectations this year, just with the sheer amount of talent they have on their roster. Being a number three seed, that's definitely uh, um, that's really impressive on their on their part. They'll be surrounded by blue blood programs such as Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, Michigan State. So um, definitely, metal. Uh, um, definitely uh, be a, the NCAA tournament this year is definitely something to look forward to for Texas fans. So I think Texas can definitely earn a spot in it uh, with just the players they have on their team. Yeah, well, that's that's true. We talked about the talent. We've talked about that multiple times on this podcast. Really excited to see Greg Brown and what he can do. That local guy played at Vandergriff High School. And uh, to switch subjects real quick, but keep it on the basketball topic, uh, the Texas women's basketball team also had their schedule released on Monday, and they got, unlike the men, they have some pretty quality non-conference games to open the season. Um, you know, Texas obviously will play Kentucky, as we mentioned, but they will play some of these really powerful programs. Uh, they play in the Big 12 SEC Challenge, Texas A&M. That's in Austin. Uh, the next Sunday in Austin, they host Tennessee in you know, Tennessee, obviously well-known for their um, success in women's basketball. They also will play Louisiana Tech, a team that's had tremendous success, um, you know, not not too recently, but in the past. So some great programs coming to Austin uh, for the women's basketball team and their non-conference schedule. For sure. They definitely have a lot more uh, non-conference teams to play against than uh, the men's basketball team, on the other hand. But that's not to say uh, – it's any uh, easier for them because they are definitely going against some quality teams like Tennessee and Texas A&M to name a couple. But uh, this is definitely going to be a year where uh, Texas women's basketball can prove themselves and uh, Vic Schaefer, their coach, can prove himself because um, last year, obviously, at this point in the season, it led to uh, the uh, loss of Karen Aston as a head coach. So uh, definitely um, high hopes for this season uh, for both uh, men's and women's basketball. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, one thing to know on the women's schedule, uh, Texas opens the season November 25th. Luke, you and I were talking about this off air, but Texas men and women will both open the season in Austin on November 25th, the day prior to Thanksgiving. So that's interesting right there. The Texas fans can see two um, season openers on the same day at the Irwin Center and uh, Texas women will be playing SMU, a team coached by former Longhorn men's basketball player Travis Mays, uh, the men playing UT Rio Grande Valley. So we're not sure about the times uh, right now, but we do know both of those will be being played in Austin on the same day. And I mentioned also off here that I believe this happened uh, 
two weeks ago, I mean, two years ago, sorry, when uh, College Game Day came to Austin to cover the uh, UT-Oklahoma matchup. So, And I think um, the same thing happened then where uh, Little Miss basketball played earlier in the day around uh, noon or so, and then men's uh, played around uh, 7 or 8 in the primetime matchup. So it's definitely interesting. It's nice to get two basketball games in one day um, for sure. So it's definitely a nice uh, – Considering it's the first game of the season, it'll give us a nice uh, gauge of where both teams are. Yeah, yeah, lots to look forward to. Uh, you know, sports are in full swing, and couldn't be happier about that. Uh, you know, we, Luke, you and I talked, and uh, even on this podcast, we said multiple times back in July and August, only time will tell if we even see sports or not uh, this fall and winter. And here we are now, middle of football season, talking some football, talking the start of basketball. And, uh, it's great to see. For sure. It's definitely nice to get back to um, a sense of normalcy uh, with the return of basketball and uh, volleyball, uh, football, all these sports are coming back. So it's definitely starting to feel more normal on the 40 acres. Um, obviously, there's still a lot of differences compared to past years. But I, we should really just be grateful that we have any kind of uh, sports on campus, right? Yeah, yeah, I would, I would totally agree. And, uh, you know, Texas fans, thanks so much for tuning in to the Horns Illustrated Beyond the Stats podcast. Do not miss next week's podcast either. Next week we bring in a guest, a Longhorn, who not who played not just in the NFL. He also played professionally in Europe and in the XFL. He was an O-lineman when Ricky Williams was fleeing the Texas backfield. Uh, this guy is one you won't want to miss. And uh, you have to tune in to see who it is next week. We'll have him on. Uh, but anyway, thank you so much for coming on this week. Stay safe and hook them horns.